right, we are back. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. I just want to tell you who we were listening to. That was Sure Sure. This must be the place. That was a Talking Heads cover. I love that band. So it was a great song I discovered recently. All right, in the studio, David Irig is joining us. Uh, he is a acting teacher, and he is right on the campus, actually. I discovered him through the OC Register. And he's written a book called The Actor's Machine, Learn the Simplest, Fastest Approach to Great Acting, The Irig Approach. Hold on one second. I'm going to bring him on. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> the suspense. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. Very excited to be here and talk with you. Thanks about for this. coming in. Yeah. Uh, usually everybody just calls in, but it's nice to, you know, I couldn't wear my slippers, darn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you are, I won't give yeah, you Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I saw this article about you in the OC Register, mm-hmm. and I yeah. thought it was really interesting because I've taken various acting classes and it's so different, like some of it's baloney, hype, whatever, but there's a psychology behind what you do in behavioral science. So tell me about this. Sure, yeah. So um, I prefer the word uh, neurobiology to the word psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, you know, if you, if you look back at the, the originations of, uh, of realistic St- acting. Was it, st- I'm going to slaughter his name, Stanislavski? You did not slaughter. You I did. I got it. it okay. Yeah. Um, I consider most of the stuff that comes out of, of that camp, which is pretty much everything that exists today, I actually call that a psychological approach. It's a okay. psychotechnique. And if you think about it, it's kind of interesting that the way the actors are traditionally taught to create a role is to read the text and then choose objectives, mm-hmm. right? Right. You're familiar with yeah. this? And then you'll choose an, and then you'll choose an action to play to mm-hmm. achieve that objective. And if you think about it, like you're actually observing then this idea. First, you're reading the text. Right. So, by the way, you're using a different part of the brain that you'll be using then when you speak the text, right? Okay. But then you're observing from sort of this detached view yes. kind of like a psychoanalyst yes. it's almost like you're psycholo- psych- psychoanalyzing yeah. your character um, so that's what's different now I'd like to say that you know that works for a lot of people and so I you know um, my view is a neurobiological view which is very different it doesn't discount anything that right. other people already do it's just a different perspective so how did that come about that neurological approach well, when I, you know, after I graduated from grad school, um, the, the, uh, the widely accepted tr- traditional um, definition of acting is living truthfully in imaginary circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so I said, look, if, if our goal is to live truthfully in imaginary circumstances, maybe it would be helpful to know about how I live truthfully in real life. How does my system function to create behavior? Yeah. And so that's what I started studying, um, is the idea from a... Um, neurobiological perspective, what are the mechanisms that produce behavior? And that's the key word, and I think that is really where it all starts, is what is the goal of great acting? Yeah. And and there's so many, you know, you could answer that a thousand different ways, especially from the traditional psychological approach. Mm Mm-hmm. But what I chose, well, yes, go ahead. No, I want to touch on what you chose because it's really interesting how we function unconsciously. Right, that's right. 97% of our behaviors are unconscious. Mm -hmm. So... How do we tap into that? How do we tap into that? And and what are we trying to achieve? And so let's identify that first. We're trying to achieve behavior. That's it, right? Right. Um, If you're you're, telling a story um, by being the 
the embodiment of this character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does the audience see in order to get meaning, to, to you know, glean meaning from this, this dramatic performance that they're watching? Well, it's right. the behavior. That's literally what they see. So if we focus on behavior then, now we've got an end game. We've got something specific we can work towards. And, and when we learn about the mechanism of behavior, what I'm finding out is that it's super effective way to learn acting. And it's right. a super efficient way to learn acting. The learning curve to achieving that ability to create authentic behavior. I think it's it's really what intrigued me too is I remember taking some classes where um, we were given something a very short amount of time mm-hmm. to do a cold read, and uh, the someone I was at the SAG Conservatory, and they said, "Glance down, and then look your partner in the eye, and mm-hmm. don't look back at the script, right? And just." connect and then glance down get your line and look up and say the script right um and one other thing i want to share i took another class and this was so funny and i i remember it being very nervous at first in these classes but um i was into like you know week six or whatever and we were doing a scene and i did it twice and the second time my scene partner startled me and I had just reached down to grab some water. It was part of the scene. And I, she startled me. And I spit water by mistake all over the place. My instructor burst out laughing. Everybody laughed. And I realized the unconscious reaction mm-hmm. was the most realistic reaction. Always. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's very good. Yeah. And, you know, what, what you point out is this idea of what we've attempted to do is isolate the idea so you you said you get the line you connect with your partner right then you look back down and you connect with your line well i see in that process a slight problem right because when we look at it from a neurobiological perspective we say the lines the language mm-hmm. the way reading uses a different part of the brain than speaking right it's a totally different way of inputting that information and According to one of our guest speakers at the, uh, at the class that we did here at the university, we do not think in language. So there's got to be a transformation somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then speaking is a totally different mechanism that we engage to speak. Right. So the actors, the biggest challenge, and one that I don't often hear um, sort of um, identified, is this idea of how do we construct language authentically and spontaneously when in reality the language has already been provided for us well isn't it also before you even speak your line you have to think about the backstory and what's happened before those lines and that's how you also build your world and because you don't just want to just all of a sudden get into your line it's the nonverbal. and i mean you talk about I have all these little flags i pages. see I, i'm very <laughs> flattered by all the markers in my book there um the three elements of drama essential to storytelling are environment, relationship, and mood. Correct. If you take away any one of those things, the audience will not be able to create a real, uh, the meaning of a realistic story. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling a story, those are the fr- three things that you have to have. So then by, by extension, as an actor, those are the three pieces of information that you need to consciously plug into your unconscious mind so that it can make decisions and fill in the missing holes for you, which it, what, that's exactly how it works. That's exactly right. what it'll do. So those are only just the three things that you need to think about before you um, create any scene. I think that's really helpful. I, I remember taking some improv and, and again, being mm-hmm. kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But if you, you have to think about those things to kind of 
put yourself, especially improv, mm-hmm. when they just say, you know, you're pole fishing in, in Antarctica, you know, like, yeah. how do you feel? And you're with a, on a blind date. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so that kind of thing. It, you, I think you also, I mean, acting, I don't know how you got into acting and mm-hmm. I'm curious, but mm-hmm. um, sometimes it can be very uncomfortable at first, but you have to stop, you know, toss that away. It, 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 it becomes uncomfortable if you haven't provided your unconscious mind with the information that it needs to be able to be mm-hmm. to function comfortably in that situation in those imaginary right. circumstances um, oh, you touched on something I wanted to bring up and by the way yeah. um, oh, if yeah. people are just tuning in we're speaking with David Irig I want to bring you on again because this I feel like this is part one <laughs> there's so much <laughs> to talk about this is part one of part six yeah sure. because it, there's a yeah. lot to talk about and there that is, we have a lot yeah. of students on the campus that study you know acting and yeah. writing and so go ahead so I was gonna say yes so you brought up a very good point and thinking about is different than embodying Mm-hmm. And so that is some of the, those are the techniques that have come out of this idea of, well, then, okay, it, how are we going to live truthfully in imaginary circumstances? And I say, how are we going to create authentic behavior, authentic meaning behavior appropriate to the circumstances mm-hmm. in the imaginary circumstances? And the way you have to do that is you need to provide your unconscious mind with the information and then have a system, right? Right. Where you can embody that information. Right. That's how you become comfortable. Yeah. So the foundation of the system is really very simple. When you look, when you look at the models of cognitive science that are available to us today, uh, it, it becomes pretty simple, really. Our behavior in any given moment is the result of our response to a stimulus mm-hmm. in context based on our past experiences with that stimulus. You want to give me an example? I'd love to. Okay. So <laughs> if we, uh, so let's say um, you have had dogs all your life and you're very comfortable around animals and you okay. come upon a dog and it is barking at you. Your first response to that dog will be different than somebody who has not had any experience with a dog or worse, had negative experiences with a dog. Right. Is our past experience of dogs in relation to context, walking upon a dog and being surprised by one. If you've done that many times, you yeah. ha- you engage in a set of behaviors that has worked for you in the past. Sure. So that you can avoid being bit or traumatized right. by a dog. Right. If you're not familiar with it, you walk upon the dog, you may do the very things that will cause a dog to bite you, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me about the class at UCI. What that, what's that like? Oh, that was... Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It was. looked amazing. I mean, what a wonderful opportunity for me to be a teacher and a student. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let me tell you about it. It was the first uh, collaboration between the Claire Trevor School of the Arts and the Center for the Neurobiology of Learning and Memory. And we were lucky enough to bring in um, the fellows from the Center for the Neurobiology of Learning and Memory. And wow. so our guest speakers... Um, you know, you may have heard of James McGaw, the uh, the fifth most influential living neuroscientist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so his expertise is emotion and, and uh, memory. Mm-hmm. And so he came in and talked to us about that. Dr. Michael wow. Yasa is the director of the program. And just wow. that, that guy, we've become friends. Um, and what a wonderful resource. He's so good at taking complicated, I mean, brain science. Right. You know, and boiling bring, it down. And yeah. boiling that make it accessible to the layman. Yeah. And, and my students, you know, 
my students were fantastic. They, That's great. They were fully engaged in these conversations, and they asked questions that, you know, were great. Yeah, so, sure. So we had um, Dr. Gregory Hickok, who's an expert in language and linguistics, uh, and then we also had Dr. Linda Levine, um, who's an expert in emotion and talked about appraisal okay. theory. And, we, and it was just, you know, it was like, the hits just kept on coming. Wow. We learned so much in such a short period of time. Amazing. Uh, is, and it's open to undergrads. That was only open to undergrads? That was not, yes, that was an undergrad class. Yeah, it was you drama, open drama up to the community. Uh, Sorry, Drama 135? Yeah, that was okay. the, the, the I, science of acting. I hope it opens up to other people. I, I would love to share this with everybody. I mean, yeah. there's, I just can't even really um, like pinpoint how how many benefits there really are i mean we you know we're talking about human behavior so right it's a fascinating thing and and looking at it from the perspective of the brain is also a fascinating thing right now i, I don't know if you've noticed i was actually in conversation with a friend the other day and he was saying you know what is going on in brain science he says to me he says <laughs> and my news feed now every day it's i get a, a different article about brains yeah. and it's because there's a lot of um discovery occurring right now sure. you know the technology that's become available to us in the last 20 years and particularly in the last 10 years right. has allowed us now to measure things that we couldn't before to yeah. witness you know things that we couldn't before and i think we're understanding it in a way that's more relevant whereas before we might have like our eyes might have glossed over you yeah know? that's right i mean yeah. So the goal of this class, um, as as the class was created, was to do two things. One, to provide the students with a, a with a scientific perspective on acting, mm -hmm. right? Just a new way to look at acting. And then the second one was to teach them my techniques, so that they had an actual methodology they could apply. Right. But the goal of the class, in the end, was they had to, for their final project, come up with a way to apply some concept that they learned from the cognitive sciences during the period of our class and create an application for the actor. Really? Yes. That is what I tasked them with from wow. day one. And, uh, and, and what, what, was, what kind of things were you seeing? Probably mind-blowing. Okay, well, you know, I have to go to the report for this one, actually, okay. because there were so <laughs> many great ones. But I actually did. I ended up, you know, I ended up at the end of this class, I ended up making a report because... I knew that I wouldn't remember it all, you know, right. and we're already on to other things, you yeah. know, so this is, um, so, but let's see, what, what did some of my wonderful students come up with? Just really incredible, incredible projects. By the I mean, way, while you're looking, I feel yeah. like you obviously gained so much, your students gained a lot, but you got all this information, this new discoveries and insights. Coming into the class, I had already planned to write a second book and, and, and my technique consists of two, two parts. It's just like we just said, it's the, right, the stimulus mm -hmm. and your past experience. Right. So the first book, The Actor's Machine, which you have in front of you, is the one that is about, uh, primarily about a technique called directed focus. And it mimics a scientific theory called pattern completion, which teaches us how we sort of live Mm -hmm. in our everyday environment right and so that's the first technique right okay so that's a that's a very simple method that you can step by step use to apply it to your script and you're going to create authentic behaviors by experiencing the character's visceral experiences right. in that environment okay which is that's the goal of great acting right sure. we don't want to think about it we want to experience exactly. it exactly so um that's the first book the second okay. book i have not well has not been published yet. All right. Um, but the, the goal was for me to teach this class and see what else I learned and then apply it to the second one. And the second Perfect. book is about past experience, is now how do we embody 
our character's past experience. So we literally are oh, creating. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank that's you. really intriguing. We are literally creating memories mm -hmm. and encoding those memories so that they can be retrieved in specific circumstances. Yeah. And we will have then this implicit response, this unconscious response to something. So if you've had dogs all your life, mm -hmm. but you need to play someone who hasn't, we create a memory so that when you come upon the dog, you will have the actual behaviors. Wow. I, I yeah, get, it's cool. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I want to say that this book is so small that, you know, yeah. it's not intimidating, and I feel like it's just, it's a great resource. Thank you. You know? Thank you, yeah. You yeah. know, I... Thank you very much. I, I've had a couple people tell me that this is one of those books they read again and again. And from my personal experience, right. you know, when I find those books, I have several of them myself that I read again and again. Uh, that That's maybe the best compliment. I mean, that, I'm, that makes me, you know, really be fulfilled. Well, because there's <laughs> so much, you, you know, you're bombarded by take this class, try this. Right. This technique will get you booked and you'll be in yeah, the next pilot right. and yeah. it's pilot season. And, you know, yeah. it just it's so overwhelming. <laughs> if anything... What's interesting about this approach is um, there's a lot of thoughts that go on, you know, nerves and everything. Mm -hmm. So when you see a script and you're, you're forced to, okay, all of a sudden now you're on and you got to be in that scene. Yeah. I think um, your approach takes away those jitters and those thinking about what you look like because you're not. You're thinking about the character. That's right. Very you know? good. And in fact, you know, I, this, I've actually explained this um, before. Again, it comes back to focus and past experience. That's what that's how we create behavior. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you think about what are some of the the um, what are, what is bad acting, you know, you could describe bad acting very simply by saying misplaced focus. Like oh, yeah. you said, you know, what do I look like? Well, right. if you're focusing on what you look like, you're not focusing on the experience of the moment. Exactly. You know, if you're focused on what's my next line, you, you, you see young actors and sometimes even even advanced actors. This is kind of interesting. You can literally see somebody once you start reading their faces. And, and one, one of the things that we developed in this class is a way to actually notate human behavior. And we've identified components of physiological gestures that fit in certain categories so um and in fact the way that i the way that i measure whether or not a person is fully engaged in the imaginary circumstances is i read their face if you will at a very detailed level and we because we studied in this class now my students can do this as well mm -hmm. because we've studied eye patterns there are very specific eye patterns that are the result of behavioral cues there are um, of course facial gestures which have been encoded um, and there's also a physiology, breathing patterns um, and posture. All those things are things that you can read. So what I look for in the face, I look for actual micro expressions, which are just little well, short, you know, movements of muscles in the face. Right. I look for pupil dilation. I look for skin galvanic responses, um, which you can sometimes see in the uh, color of the skin. And mm -hmm. also, of course, you know, if there's a reddening of the cheek. Right, right. But I look for physiological change to know as a result of the stimulus. You probably look at their neck to see if they're going, <laughs> <laughs> right, like gulp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so all that to say that there's lots of of nonverbal cues learn. on their face, yeah. right? And you yeah. can see a misplaced focus if mm -hmm. somebody is thinking of their lines. I've literally seen this where they, I've seen people's mouths moving when the other person is speaking. Have you ever seen that? Yes. Yeah, and it's because what what are they focusing on? They're waiting yeah. for the other person to finish their line so they can say their line. Yeah, the other person's talking and they're looking down their script and they're going, "Oh, and then right." And um, and the, it's interesting. I was gonna um add something that um, 
as a new actor, sometimes we think we have to say every word exactly, mm-hmm. correct? And well, you don't realize mm-hmm. that you can just add a couple of words or a sentence, <laughs> and it's okay. It, life will be okay because it's more realistic, and you're putting, I guess it's that unconscious behavior. You're just putting your own spin on it. To a degree. So, if, so, uh, so I, I agree with you, especially if you're working in film and your director is, is encouraging you to work that way. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. A lot of times on stage, you can't get away with No, you with can't that, do that. Right. right. But, but absolutely, yeah. And film work, th- th- people, so many, it's funny to me how many of the, the uh, ad libs actually make the final cut. Yes. And it's because of what you're saying. It's because, yeah. you know, you've had this authentic moment and it's yeah. real behavior and the audience is drawn to that. Right. So I, I found our, our some of our of our projects that we talked about earlier. Okay. Um, so let's see. One, one of the projects was um, an actor who studied the breathing patterns of different emotions and then performed a musical piece. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Using the emotional wow. breath. Wow, okay. Um, somebody did the effect of stress on me- text memorization, mm-hmm. and she used two different techniques and then varying degrees of stress. Okay. And then she measured how many words she could accurately recall after she worked for a limited amount of time. Very, very interesting. So she not only tested stress and non-stress memorization, but also two different techniques of memorizing. One one of which was the directed focus technique that I teach. Yeah. Um, The, uh, let's see, we had a a videotape performance uh, in two different languages. It was based on this idea that uh, James McGaugh talked about um, behaviors are affected by culture, obviously. Right. And so we had a woman who who did two different scenes, the exact same scene in two different languages, and then Whew. interviewed the actors about their experience Incredible. of it. It was pretty fun. Yeah. And there was a difference. Um, what else? I mean, there were twelve different ones, but one of the uh, I think one of the one of the uh, ones that was the most. I think definitive where we're, we were as a class viewing these things and everybody went, whoa. Which was? Was a <laughs> video presentation of an actor who had been traditionally trained mm-hmm. and it was uh, this woman's husband and he was a solid actor, very good skills. He did his first uh, monologue, one they'd done forever, and then she took, literally she said, 10 minutes to walk him through this uh, one technique that we use in, the, use in the class, which is what we're talking about when we talk about embodying the circumstance, yes, creating yes. the alternate reality. Okay. So she took 10 minutes to walk him through this exercise. It's basically a guided uh, right. imagination trick. Okay. And then redid went it right again. back and redid it. And, and, and the, the difference. And the difference oh was God. stunning. And she caught the thing on film. So I, there, there are just so many great, you know, another guy tested whether or not real memories versus imagined memories would have a great effect on the performance. This is so fascinating. Oh, I, I, so these are, you know, Mm-hmm. I, I I was blown away. My students, I just you know, I still have so much respect and admiration for them for wow. for just how they engaged in this thing and how they Incredible. grew. Sure, they grew sure. so quickly. Was this videotaped? I mean, can people see this? Anyway? Um, well, okay. Or so, just more about your technique, or yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? You can go to the Irig Approach YouTube channel. Okay. And I actually did. I mean, I should just say yes. The answer okay. is yes. It the was answer is video. yes. Yes. The <laughs> guest speak. I I did uh, videotape all the guest speakers. Okay. So good. if you went to the Irig Approach you could see all four of the guest speakers and uh, and you won't be able to hear the questions very well because I didn't mic the students for the questions. Okay. But, but you can hear what the neuroscientists and researchers have to say about their right. respective disciplines. Wow. All right. Well, I want you to come back on again. This has been great. Yeah, this is fantastic. I Thank love you very this. much. Yeah. All right. And what, can people find more about you on Twitter or um, Facebook or anywhere Yeah, else? I'm old. Facebook. You're old. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> so, yeah, there's the IRIG Approach uh, page on Facebook. There's also a website, theirigapproach.com. Okay. Um, and 
And if um, I'll do this for your listeners, if anybody would like to take a free actor's assessment, it's a short little quiz where you can find out what kind of actor you are, what is your primary way of representing the world to yourself. Okay. There's a short little quiz there. And then I'll, Good. if you're an actor, you can take it. And All then right. you'll get a report on how to apply the results of that. So you can Good. find that at um, excellenceinacting.com, which is another. All right. All right, David. Thank you so much for coming to yep. the studio. Thank you for having me. All right. If you missed any part of this segment, it will be up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org within an hour or so. And uh, again, David Irig was in the studio talking about the actor's machine. Learn the simplest, fastest approach to great acting. Sheldon Abbott is standing by, uh, and then I'll be back next week. If you want to find out about being a guest, you can send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at org. Have a great Monday, everybody.